0: Laudator Jesus Christus, Vatican and World News.
1: In the headlines this Thursday, February the 29th, Chad's opposition leader is killed in a violent exchange of fire with security forces. More than 100 people are killed after Israeli troops allegedly opened fire on a crowd of Palestinians waiting for aid in Gaza, and the Holy See calls for renewed international efforts to address the ongoing violations of human rights in the world. In the Vatican, I'm Francesca Merlo. In Chad, opposition leader Yaya Dilo was killed during an exchange of fire with security forces. Violence has fled up in the Central African nation ahead of elections set for later on this year. Christopher Wells has the latest.
0: Heavy gunfire was heard on Wednesday in Chad's capital of Indyamina, near the headquarters of Dilo's opposition party, according to the Reuters news agency. Several people had been killed in earlier clashes near Chad's internal security agency building. The violence flared amid tensions ahead of a presidential election set for May and June that could return the Central African state to constitutional rule three years after the military seized power. Colm had returned to the capital by Thursday morning, and residents were going back to work, though internet access, which was blocked a day earlier, had still not been restored. That's according to a witness who spoke with Reuters. On Wednesday, the headquarters of the opposition Socialist Party Without Borders, led by Dilo, were cordoned off by security forces. But accounts of the incidents given by the government and the party differed. The government statement said the security agency was attacked by representatives of the party, resulting in several deaths. Detailing a separate incident, the government said a member of the party, Ahmed Tarabi, had carried out an assassination attempt against the president of the Supreme Court, Samir Adam-Anur. The government said Tarabi was arrested. The opposition party's general secretary told the Reuters news agency that the deaths near the security agency occurred when soldiers opened fire at a group of party members. He said Tarabi had been shot dead on Tuesday and his body was deposited at the agency's headquarters. On Wednesday morning, party members and Tarabi's relatives went to look for his body at the agency and soldiers shot at them, which resulted in multiple deaths. That's, again, according to the General Secretary. Chad's Supreme Court in December approved the vote on a new constitution that critics say could help cement the power of junta leader Mohammed Idris Deby. Debbie's military government is one of several Hunters currently ruling in West and Central Africa, where there have been eight coups since 2020, sparking concerns about a backslide from democracy in the region. I'm Christopher Wells.
1: According to witnesses, Israeli troops opened fire on a crowd of Palestinians waiting for aid in Gaza City earlier today. More than 100 people were killed, bringing the death toll since the start of the Israel-Hamas war, according to health officials, to more than 30,000. Joseph Tulloch reports.
2: According to witnesses, Israeli troops opened fire as people pulled flour and canned goods from a number of trucks. Israeli officials acknowledged that the troops had opened fire but said they did so only after the crowd approached in a threatening way. The incident occurred in northern Gaza, which was the first time of Israel's air, sea and ground offensive launched in response to Hamas's October the 7th attack. The area has suffered widespread devastation. Trucks carrying food reached northern Gaza this week, the first major aid delivery to the area in a month. Aid groups say that it has become nearly impossible to deliver humanitarian assistance in most of Gaza because of the difficulty of coordinating with the Israeli military, ongoing hostilities and the breakdown of public order, with crowds of desperate people overwhelming aid convoys. The UN says a quarter of Gaza's 2.3 million Palestinians face starvation. Around 80% have fled their homes. Kemal Abu Nahel, who was being treated for a gunshot wound in Shifa Hospital, said he and others went to a distribution point in the middle of the night because they heard there would be a delivery of food. We've been eating animal feed for two months, he said. He said Israeli troops opened fire on the crowd, causing it to scatter, with some people hiding under cars. After the shooting stopped, people went back to their trucks and the soldiers opened fire again. In addition to the at least 104 people killed, around 760 were wounded, Health Ministry spokesman Ashraf al-Kidra said. The Health Ministry described it as a massacre. The Health Ministry said that the Palestinian death toll from the war has climbed to 30,035, with another 70,500 wounded. The Gaza Health Ministry does not differentiate between civilians and combatants in its figures, but it says that women and children make up around two-thirds of those killed. The ministry, which is part of the Hamas-run government in Gaza, maintains detailed records of casualties. Its counts from previous wars have largely matched those of the UN, independent experts, and even Israel's own tallies. The Hamas attack into southern Israel that ignited the war killed 1,200 people, mostly civilians, and the militants seized around 250 hostages. The increasing alarm over hunger across Gaza has fueled international calls for another ceasefire, and the US, Egypt and Qatar are working to secure a deal between Israel and Hamas for a pause in fighting and the release of some of the hostages. Mediators hope to reach an agreement before the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, Starts around March the 10th, but so far Israel and Hamas have remained far apart on their demands. I'm Joseph Toluk. Half
1: of the money allocated in the past year globally by governments to fund armed forces and weapons would be enough to provide basic health care for everyone on the planet, as well as significantly reduce greenhouse gas emissions. This finding came in a report drawn up by the International Peace Bureau, and it was among the topics discussed at a three-day Global Alliance for Banking on Values summit that wraps up today in northern Italy. The participants from about 70 ethical banks from across the world also focused on social and environmental justice and on artificial intelligence. But at a time when the wars in Ukraine and in the Middle East have increased, the profits of weapon producers tenfold, it's hardly surprising that analyses that compare policies and practices of mainstream banks with value-based ethical banks took centre stage, as researcher Barbara Setti told Vatican Radio.
3: Our research highlighted that in 2023, global spending on defense rose by 9%, reaching $2.2 trillion. And it's a huge increase in investing on defense. And it is clear from the UN Agenda for Disarmament that there is a strong link between investment in arms and wars. We all know that now with the conflict in Ukraine and the conflict in Middle East, the shift on the investment strongly moved towards the defense sector. But we all have to know that now... The global government spending on arms is on $2.2 trillion. That means 2.2% of the world's GDP. These are the main highlights
2: of our research. More than 71 ethical banks asked to the financial system to change their ethical approach to uh, the investment it will be possible in the next years.
3: We hope so, because we saw before two years ago that the uh, investment uh, was moving towards a more sustainable sector. Ethical finance asked uh, to divest from uh, arms sector and defense sector, because we all know that fueling this sector is falling worse now and in the next years. Ethical finance divests from arms and is an um, economy of peace and not an economy of war.
1: That was Barbara Setti, a researcher on Ethical banks, speaking there to Vatican Radio's Stefano Leschinski. The Holy See has called for renewed international efforts to address the ongoing violations of human rights in the world. In a statement addressed on Wednesday to the 55th session of the Human Rights Council, Archbishop Ettore Balestrero, the Vatican Permanent Observer to the United Nations and other international organizations in Geneva, expressed the Holy See's concern that human rights violations, including freedom of religion, are rising globally. Lisa Zingarini reports.
4: In his address, Archbishop Ballestrero lamented that discrimination and persecution of believers are on the rise worldwide. He cited data from Aid of the Church in Need, which show that religious freedom is violated in almost one-third of the world's countries. The Vatican Observer also noted that in some Western countries religious discrimination and censorship are being perpetrated under the guise of tolerance and inclusion. Regarding the general topic discussed at the session, Archbishop Balestrero remarked that in pursuing a more effective international cooperation to address the new challenges in the current multipolar world the focus must remain on the dignity of the human person which is the foundation of peace as stated by the universal declaration of human rights signed over seventy-five years ago To improve multilateral diplomacy, it is therefore important to uphold values that are rooted in human dignity, which he noted must also become the guiding principle in the development and use of artificial intelligence. Archbishop Balestrero went on to remark that many of the challenges we face today stem from a lack of respect of human dignity and a failure to recognise our interconnectedness. He recalled the attempts to introduce so-called new rights that are not always consistent with what is truly good for the human person. These new rights, said the Nuncio, have led to what Pope Francis has termed as an ideological colonization that also undermines human fraternity as they create divisions rather than fostering unity and peace. Concluding, Archbishop Ballestrero reiterated that universal fraternity is an essential condition for the full realization of human rights in today's world. I am Lisa Zengarini. And finally, Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher, the Vatican Secretary for
1: Relations with States and International Organisations, has travelled to the Republic of Turkey for the third edition of the Antalya Diplomacy Forum 2024. The three-day forum will examine peaceful strategies to global issues, especially as wars and conflicts plague the globe. Kasselano Lubov reports.
5: Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher has traveled to Turkey for the Antalya Diplomacy Forum 2024. The Vatican Secretary for Relations with States and International Organizations will be participating Friday and Saturday in the annual event that from the 1st to the 3rd of March will bring together heads of state, ministers, diplomats, business leaders and academics to discuss pressing global issues and challenges. With the theme advancing diplomacy in times of turmoil, the forum is being held under the auspices of President Erdogan of Turkey and with the cooperation of Turkey's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. In its third edition, which takes place as the wars continue to cause suffering in Ukraine and the Middle East, the forum is expected to explore peaceful paths to the global unrest through various panel discussions, keynote speeches, and networking opportunities aimed at fostering dialogue and cooperation. According to its website, international challenges to be discussed at the venue will include the ongoing wars, acts of terrorism, irregular migration, rise of xenophobia and Islamophobia, unforeseen risks of AI, climate change, natural disasters, pandemics, and widening socioeconomic gaps. Yesterday, Archbishop Gallagher arrived in Turkey, where he celebrated Holy Mass in Istanbul. Today, he is meeting with Ecumenical Patriarch of Constantinople, Bartholomew I. Pope Francis made an apostolic visit to Turkey in November of 2014 at the start of his pontificate, where he followed in the footsteps of his predecessor, Pope St. Paul VI, who had visited the Muslim-majority nation 50 years earlier. As Paul VI had done with then-ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople Athenagoras in 1964, Pope Francis met with current ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew I, with whom the Holy Father has maintained a friendship and a close collaboration throughout his pontificate. I'm Deborah castellano Lubov.
3: And
1: that brings us to the end of this edition of Vatican and World News. For more on these and other stories we invite you to visit our website at vaticannews.va and you can also catch the latest updates on our Facebook X and Instagram pages. Many thanks go to Bruno Orti in studio. In the Vatican I am Francesca Merlu.